Welcome back to the News and Views Radio Network as we come to you live from the Delta here in Fargo. That's right. You're being heard, of course, all over the News and Views Radio Network, uh, all over the fruited plains of the upper Midwest, thanks to our family of radio stations who are carrying this as we speak. Uh, I get a chance now to visit with Ron Feldman. Now, Ron is first vice president of the Federal Reserve Bank out of Minneapolis. Uh, You know, I was reading his bio uh, with the Federal Reserve, and a bunch of things just jumped out at me. And so I was like, man, this is going to be fun to get a chance to talk to him. Uh, Ron, good to have you on News and Views. Yeah, thanks, Joel. I appreciate it. Uh, From from my particular standpoint, you know, one of the things that – look, I think we're going to have to do this first. Describe to people what the Federal Reserve is. Absolutely. So the Fed is the entity that tries to make sure that inflation stays around 2%, where the people that try to make sure your payments, when you uh, uh, have to get a direct deposit of your paycheck to you, we try to make sure that that happens, and we try to make sure that banks are operating in a safe way so that we don't end up bailing them out. We've got a bunch of different responsibilities, but those are the key ones. Okay, so a couple things jumped out, right? Inflation, obviously, we've gone through a higher rate of inflation. Uh, You know, the Fed has had to, you know, do what it can to increase interest rates. Um, That's affecting people on a daily basis. Give me your take on that. Well, we have a what's called the dual mandate. That's kind of a fancy word. It just means that our job is to make sure that inflation isn't too high, and it's to make sure that everybody who wants a job can get a job. And you really can't do that second part. You can't make sure everybody who wants a job can get a job. We call that full employment if inflation is too high. What businesses can't plan. You and I can't plan. We can't uh, decide how we're going to make decisions on our financial matters if inflation is too high. So our number one priority is to get inflation down. We've said 2% is where it needs to be. It's not near that. And we are absolutely committed to doing whatever we can to do that. It, was it unrealistic at where, uh, you know, interest rates were before? I mean, we enjoyed low interest rates for a long, long time. I mean, it, it, anyone that I ever spoke to in the banking industry went, you know, everybody thinks this is great. This isn't always so great to have interest rates this low. Yeah, well, if it's below 2%, that's not as people don't people don't get that, but that could be a big problem too, right? If rates are yeah. too low, then people decide that they're not going to spend, right? So if, if prices are actually falling, then you're going to say to yourself, hey, hold on, why spend some money now? I should just wait. Prices will be lower in the future. So we don't want prices to be falling or too low, and we don't want them too high. If they had been around 2%, that would have been victory. We think that's the right amount to get the economy moving forward. A lot of times, one of the criticisms I hear about the Fed is, that it's reactionary and not proactive. Uh, speak to that if you would. Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses. Our job is to keep inflation at 2%. It got a lot higher. That's on us. We need to do a better job. I will say we're in kind of a super unusual time. We had a pandemic. We had a war between what's uh, going on between Ukraine and Russia. We had a bunch of other things going on, and that led prices to act in a way that no one really could anticipate. It, that's not an excuse. That's just a description of about why it's been such a challenging environment. It's been part of our conversations for a while, though, because you can say it's not an excuse, but if it was, it's a pretty damn good one. Uh, I mean, <laughs> let, let's be honest here. You have a pandemic. How do you govern through a pandemic with the economy? Because part of our conversation prior to this, uh, Ron, was that I don't know what's going to happen to the economy when X number of people don't ever want to go back into the workforce. Well, well, there's that. And then, you know, uh, I think many people said, hey, during the uh, Great Recession, when uh, people were losing their houses, I think there was a lot of sentiment that government didn't do enough. 
So what did we see this time? You know, this isn't the Fed's issue, but Congress and other people, states, they stepped up. They did a lot to make sure that people weren't hurting. And, you know, there's a little bit of dealing with the aftermath of that. So there's a pandemic. There's this government response. There's the war in Ukraine and Russia. So, uh, again, it's sort of unprecedented. That's what I would say. It doesn't change what our job is. we got to get inflation down. Uh, but it makes it, it makes it a little more challenging to see through it in a clear way. How, how much of a factor, though, weighs in on the decisions you make and the recommendations you make? Uh, how big of a factor is it that people just are changing their, their lifestyles are changing uh, that not everybody wants what they maybe wanted 10 years ago yeah you know i look at at my daughters and and their husbands and i'm like okay did they want that two income we got to do this we got to go there we got to own this kind of attitude and i'm seeing less of that out there in life yeah i i think what the challenges are kind of what you said there's also the idea that people now some folks get to work at home so they want a bigger house they don't want to come into an office well what does that mean for uh what property values are like in a city all that's really hard to figure out. I think the harder part is, is that going to stick? So you're saying right now about your daughters, you got a sense about what they want, what they don't want. You know, we've seen trends that last 30 years. We've seen trends that last six months. Which one of these is it? Right. So I think it's, I guess all I would say is it creates a lot of uncertainty for anyone who's got to try to, for, for families, for companies, and for us too. But at the end of the day, even through that uncertainty, if inflation's too high, then we need we we know how to try to bring inflation down, and we got to keep trying to do that until it happens. Even but, even with all that uncertainty, no one's going to take as an outcome. Hey, we weren't quite sure about the behavior of Joel's kids or my kids or how this firm's going to act or if people are going to want to live in a bigger house than they did. They're going to say, "Is inflation five percent, six percent? You said it was going to be two percent." So we got to stay focused on that, even through this sort of haze. Ron Feldman uh, with the Fed out of Minneapolis. He's the first vice president, uh, which means he. He's done pretty well in life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ron, you know, I want to talk uh, a little bit, if I can, about the the amounts, w- how you decide how much, how fast. I mean, is it, do, you, do you get in a room? I mean, what's involved in a decision like that? Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, so how does the Fed go about figuring it out? Well, there's a group of uh people that are called, there's these reserve banks, there's 12, I'm from the one in Minneapolis, they're all over the country, and then there's the folks in D.C., Jay Powell, the chair of the Board of Governors, Um, and they do get in a room and they sort of talk it through. You know, the way I think about it was this was a system that was set up 100 years ago, but it's a little bit of this uh, crowdsourcing. You know, we got a lot of people that get in the room, and the idea is to get a bunch of different views, and that's why I'm here in Fargo today. I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit, but I'm mostly here to listen. We get all the those views in and then people sort of hash it out there is no formula we don't have a formula that says oh you know uh do this do this math exercise and you're going to tell us that we should raise interest rates 75 percent that's not how it works see i i think that the the beauty of uh the fed is if nobody ever perceives it in any way shape or form as being political and at times, I think people see the Fed as being political. Well, I, I'm glad that you bring that up because I've been at the Fed for 20 plus years. I have, I could just tell you, I, I wish we could reveal more of our inner conversations because you'd see that 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 partisan politics it just doesn't come up ever. I've well, never. Well, it's heard almost it. suicidal for your career. But if it does, I, I, it, so there's good reasons not to. But even if they weren't there, that's just not how the place operates. People look at data. 
and they think about what's best for the economy as a whole. They think about families and how they're doing. We've got this charge from Congress, keep inflation low, make sure people can get jobs. That's what we're focused on. And there just never is discussions about how is this going to play with a party or did you hear what this person said? I mean, it just doesn't happen at all, ever. And okay. I've been there a long time. Well, one of the, the things also that, you know, it seemed to me would be a challenge for you sure. is how people perceive things day to day right right now. Okay. The the price of a carton of, of eggs is through the rough. Yes. Okay. And it's your fault. Or the price of a carton of milk is here versus you who is looking at, wait a second here. You know, it's a balloon. And if we squeeze it here five years out, six years out, here's what could be happening. Yeah. And I don't think the American people think that way. That could be true, but can I say something? It does. The thing we want to make sure people have confidence in is that we're going to bring inflation down in the future. And if people look all around them and see prices going up, then they go to where they work and they say, hey, I need more. I need an increase. I need to get my salary up to pay Uh for things. Then the company's got to raise prices. Then the people say, I need more money. And then all of a sudden, we're in this spiral where people think it sort of feeds on itself. And you can get inflation kind of building on itself. So it is. it might be true that maybe we take a little bit of a longer view. But if we ignore the short run and people start believing there's going to be more inflation because what they see around them, then then we've made a mistake. And that's why we're acting so aggressively to get inflation down. When was the last time in your career when it was a workers' market like this? I, I this Well, this is the tightest market. I mean, here, here's one little bit of, I mean, I'm from Minneapolis. So the state of Minnesota had the lowest uh, monthly unemployment rate in the history of any state just uh, several months ago. I don't mean for Minnesota. I mean, in a monthly unemployment rate, I think it was 1.7, that was the lowest unemployment rate that the U.S. has ever recorded for any state. And North Dakota is never very far behind there. So, I mean, we are in a, you know, we're just, just look at the numbers. It is unprecedented. Every firm we talk to, they're concerned about inflation. The number one concern we heard from firms is, I cannot get people. I have raised what I'm paying. I've added benefits. I'm thinking of adding childcare, and I just cannot get enough people to produce what I need. So how do you fix that? That is a great that is a great question. I think part of what's going on is it really sustainable for people to be running quite this hot? So, you know, some of this is gonna just fix itself a little bit. Um, and I think some of it's gonna get it fixed a little bit when we get inflation down. I I you know I think that in this the political side. Now you're talking to a guy that served in in political office for 14 years. So, albeit at a very small level at the state senate level, but I do have a sister who you know, yeah. you know, and and I'm not convinced that it's ever going to change until we broaden our scope of who can enter the workforce. And do you mean immigration? What I do. do. Yeah. I mean immigration. I believe that that we have all this problem that's tearing apart the country and making arguments instead of looking at it as a potential resource for workers. Uh, we're sitting there looking at it all and, and trying to label it all with just one broad swoop. And yeah, so yeah. I don't know how that weighs in on the Fed. Well, so two, two quick observations. So I'm here at this uh, meeting that the chamber is sponsoring, and I asked them what are they working on, and they said, hey, we're trying to think about how we can get more workers to come here from yep. different places. So that's not a she, – uh, She's I'm, been beat up for that, though. Yeah. Well, she I, she just, has been beat up for that. Okay. So I'm just saying it's the chamber saying that. No, no, not, no, no. It's I, not the Fed. And I, I think the second I'm just thing, saying I think that's bold and brilliant that yeah, you guys and, are talking about and, that. And then the second thing that, uh, you know, the head of the Minneapolis Fed is Neil Kashgari. And Neil always says, look, we're either you either have to not grow, you either have to have more babies, more technology, or immigration. Those yeah. are the only options. 
more babies is hard. That you know, you're fighting the 400-year trend of having fewer kids. Yep. Technology, you know, I don't know if people want a ton more robots. Is that really what people want? Uh, so you know, immigration is really for a lot of places. It's either more gro- no growth or immigration, and folks have to make that call themselves. Well, and and do you compare our economy to other nations? For example, I mean, how much of a factor weighs in? there with the fed because i'll use china as the example you know everybody looked at china as this economic juggernaut that was going to be doing something that oh my goodness they're going to be a real danger to us they limited everyone to one child uh everybody wanted to have a boy uh the next thing you know uh because you got three-quarter boy and a a quarter girl you're you, you know you're not having babies the way you should and now their workforce is going away yeah yeah i don't think we look i don't think the fed looks at that i mean that's other parts of the government no, but competition how their economy works yeah 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 well we're well i mean our job is to make like i said i'm a, i'm a, gonna be a broken record i apologize but you know we're looking at inflation and getting people jobs so we clearly look at what's happening internationally that's gonna affect yeah. what we need to do it, you know it ends up that you know agriculture is very dependent on exports and other things a lot of the part of the u.s economy is kind of just internally focused see i guess the reason that I, I i push that uh as part of the conversation is because inflation you know we all want it down here but if you compare it to what's happening around the world, you know, we've got plenty of reason to high five here. Well, I, I, I hear you. I don't think we're going to be comparing ourselves to Argentina. I think we've got a higher standard than that yeah. right now. Well, I'll, I'll take uh, comparing ourselves to Britain. I like our life better. Anyway, this this is fun. Uh, I really appreciate it, Ron. And, sure, and th- my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, yeah. I appreciate getting a chance to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joel. You bet. We're going to take a little break. When we go back, come back, well... Darren Peterson is going to join us from Marvin Windows right after this. If I told you uh, Marvin Windows, would you know what that is? Uh, the answer is yes. You'd absolutely know what it is. You'd know it's quality. You'd know it, it's, it's home. It's home-grade p- grown potatoes here. It's exactly what you want the world to be. Uh, and it's a, it's a company that never forgot their employees. And I always love love that about Marvin Windows. Well, I got the boss here. Uh, I do. Uh, Darren Peterson, president and CEO of Marvin Windows, is with us. Darren, good to have you on News & Views. Well, let me make a quick correction. I'm not CEO. I'm president. Okay. Our CEO is uh, See, that's Paul, why I like Paul to Marvin. say the boss. The boss. See? Paul's the boss. Okay. Uh, but a uh, real honor to be on your show today, uh, Joel. Thanks for having me. I was, we were just talking about how I was a frequent listener at KFGO. <laughs> we get it up in Warroad. I live up in Warroad. Yeah. And uh, l- listening to the Sunday Sports Huddle all the time for years up in Warroad. So real pleasure to be on with you today. Well, Marvin Windows, such a rich history of making sure that the employees knew they were part of the team. you got to be proud of that. I sure am. Uh, I've been with the company 34 years. And it's just, I'm just blessed to be able to be part of it. Um, I started on the ground floor. I moved to Warroad because I love fishing and hunting and yeah. the lake. And, and I spent, my time kind of guy. spent time up there as a, as a young boy and um, uh, with my uncles and uh, just fell in love with it. And I've just been uh, really blessed and lucky to learn from the third generation. And now working with the fourth generation, we're a 110-year-old company. Employees have always been, uh, you know, an important part of our, our uh, focus, um, employees and our customers. If you take care of your employees and your customers, everything else just happens, right? Everything else falls in place.
place. So. Trying to remember if I ever once met a Marvin employee that wasn't happy being a Marvin employee. Hmm. You know, and that's a huge, huge part of what is being discussed in there right now. How to hang on to employees, how to get employees. Has it been tough at Marvin as well? Yeah, it sure has. Um, it, it's kind of a tale of two cities. Um, uh, if I reel back to last year, we had uh, we were able to hire in our southern plants. We've got plants from Florida to Baker, Oregon. Okay. And we were able to find employees in our southern plants. But in our northern plants, our two biggest locations are Warroad and Fargo. We've got 7,000 employees, and you take those two locations, and you've got about 4,500 between two, those two okay. locations. We had a hard time hiring. Um, we had a lot better luck in, War, in Fargo, where um, I would say we, you know, we got out in front of it. We improved our hiring processes. We increased our wages. We worked really hard on employee benefits, retention, um, first-year employees. And we had success. We hired hundreds of new people in Fargo. It was a little tougher going Warroad. Um, we actually had to bring in temporary workers with, with uh, tra- temp agencies from the south. Okay. Uh, we have brought them in Fargo as well. Uh, we just couldn't find the employees we needed. Help has just literally been on fire. Our order file, yeah. our order button is is as hot as it uh, has ever been in company history the last couple of years. It's starting to soften a little, but um, it's been a good run. Is this going to be the new norm? Uh, I think uh, what's happened with construction is construction has changed. The cycle of construction has changed. Um, so I think there's some changes that will happen in how builders build homes. The process has, leng- has, has lengthened. Um, I don't know when that will come back. Um, in terms of the new norm in housing, I'm going to say this. We're really ex- uh, bullish on the next decade. Um, we just heard from uh, uh, Dr. Doug from Fannie Mae, and uh, housing is underbuilt right now. It's underserved. It hasn't come back from the 2000. Uh, recession to 2009 to 13 era where there was literally four or five hundred thousand homes built a year and we needed to be building in the neighborhood of 1.5 million to keep up with demand so so what um, about what about the product you need to make the product you sell can you get it? Yeah, we can get it. It was a struggle in 21 and parts of 22, but uh, the supply chain is really stabilized. Uh, the guys at Cardinal Glass here in Fargo have been doing a good job servicing us. We make our own fiberglass, and uh, we had some issues with hardware coming out of China and stuff okay. like that, but that's all stabilized now. So. Hey. You know, promise me if we call, you'll do this again. I would I mean, love it's to. way too short a time, and I want to have more time to talk to you. I would love and to. And Abby right now is writing a note because she knows when I say that I mean it. So <laughs> I do. I want to talk about Marvin Windows at greater length oh, if yeah. I can. I would love to. Darren, it's a privilege, sir.